This week on the Cinequoptimist podcast... Did the Mandalorian fix the sequel trilogy? What is the best Christmas movie, and why is it Muppets Christmas Carol? And what were our favourite movies and games of 2020? Hello and welcome to the Cynical Optimists, the show of the least secret secret Santa, as there's only two of us. I am Phil. <laughs> I'm Nick. And this is a podcast where we review the film, TV and gaming news of the week, and in the second half we talk about something in the popular culture in more detail, from debating to reviews to pitching our own ideas. However, this week we bring to you the Synopt Holiday Special, a bit of a different final show of the year than usual. As due to everything that's going on in the world right now, we thought it was best to end the year with something a bit more laid back, hopefully positive, <laughs> and just uh, indulge ourselves by talking about stuff like The Mandalorian and Lego Star Wars. We're also going to chat about our favourite Christmas movies, and then we'll end by looking at what we think is kind of our favourites from amongst the film, TV, and games that we've enjoyed in 2020. Mm. Uh, if you want... I mean, it's a bit of a shame, because there has actually been some news this week um, regarding, obviously, cyberpunk refunds through... You know, PlayStation's delisted cyberpunk because of all the problems. Yeah. And, you know, there's been a new Smash character revealed and all that, but... Well, that was last week, but we know there's moves set now. But, yeah. I we see don't you. care, we're here to talk about Christmas. I see you trying to sneak in gaming news. <laughs> <laughs> that was all I'm sneaking in. When you said the first line there and said, like, the the show will review the news of the week, I was like, he's he's goddamn stood me a raff he has. He's, he's got me... <laughs> he's lined no, me up for just, a shooting. That's just because that's kind of become, like, our standard intro yeah. text. So I keep it in every, every episode... Because what if the first one you're listening to is this one? Like, usually we do go over, like, the news of the week. That's very true. But this this week, we're just indulging ourselves in talking about Star Wars, Christmas movies, and then doing some just, you know, what we've enjoyed. Bit a bit more informal. It's a bit more of an informal one, that's right, yeah. We're, we're, we're off the books. Yeah. Henry Cavill will have to wait until next year to receive his most recent oh my uh, God, yeah, award first, for facial expressions. His first year without the prestige Best Facial Expression Award. Um, mm. you'll just have I don't to watch imagine. Enola Holmes. Is, is there one in Enola Holmes? Most likely, if you pause it at the right moment. But you know, we're at... Yeah. <laughs> that so that, that award what... became a stretch after the first year. So. <laughs> to be honest, it was so obvious the first year. <laughs> but that we just kind of kept it going. Yeah. Anyway, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm waiting for a, a low-key Christmas this year, which it's obviously going to be. Um, mm. But yeah, sort of getting... We might, we might hear some more news about what, what they're doing with that. So, yeah. It's strange times, but it's only one year, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing at the end of the day. Um, next year, we will be back to normal, because obviously they're hoping that... You know, the most vulnerable will be vaccinated in like the first in the spring, mm-hmm. by the end of spring, and then the rest of us will have received it by like latest August September time, mm. and then means you know Halloween, Thanksgiving if you're American, Christmas can all go ahead as usual. Trick or treating will proceed as the usual routine. Yes, and everyone has to. That's the rule. Everyone has to go out trick or treating, no matter how old. Mandatory trick or treating. Yeah. 
you're only allowed one designated person to stay home who has to be manning the doors or sweets. <laughs> and because we're all vaccinated, all the sweets have to be out of the wrapper, hand to hand. <laughs> there has to be the thing where you they try they the person at the door throws them and you have to catch it in your mouth. <laughs> no one's allowed any bags because we're being more sustainable. Yeah. So the Mandalorian wrapped on Friday. Um, I think we're probably just going to go straight into spoilers because we've been sort of dipping our toes in in the episodes as they've gone throughout the, throughout the, the the previous runs of the series. Um, so I think we'll just go straight in and talk about it. So spoilers ahead, and there are some big spoilers. So definitely skip to the next section in the show. Um, if you want to avoid all the spoilers whatsoever, uh, we'll put the time codes in the description. Um, I'd recommend just watching it anyway, because I mean, I mean, I don't know. We might even drop in little bits later on in the show. Um, so just to avoid any spoilers whatsoever, just go and watch it and then come back to this. Would you agree? We'll try. We'll try our best not to, because obviously we want you to like. As in, we may drop in little bits into say when we talk about the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special yeah. after this. Yeah, exactly. It probably won't come up so much in favorite Christmas movies, so you'll be pretty safe there. Mm. And I think when we talk about our, you know, our top of twenty twenty, hopefully, we won't be doing spoilers in that. So yeah, it's mostly just the Star Wars stuff you'd have to skip if you really want to avoid spoilers. Yeah. But yeah, consider this full spoilers for Star Wars, basically. So, I mean, the thing I just... The thing we have to start with is Luke Skywalker. <laughs> That's why you wanted to do spoilers straight off the bat, yeah. wasn't it? I just, yeah, I could yeah. not talk about this for any longer. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've no, already I, had I, to watch it again just to process, process that. It's a bit... It's a bit of a cliche, but I was um, I I'd always enjoy the. It's just one fighter. It's just one man. Yeah. You know what? What can they do? Yeah. <laughs> kind of trope you get in a lot of things. Well, they actually say in it. They say, "Oh, one X-wing, wow!" Kind of thing, don't they? It's yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas, like the whole audience is like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> where Where do we even begin with this? Um, Were you surprised that it wasn't like? Ezra or someone like that. I didn't. I, I don't think they were going to sort of because I mean the Mandalorian is watched by a lot of people who can just watch Star Wars, watch this without knowing like all the ins and outs of Star Wars. Because yeah, like my partner watches it and doesn't really have a clue what's going on. Um, hmm. And I think like logically in my head I was thinking like I mean maybe Ahsoka's going to come back um, because they they've obviously previously teased her in the series. I don't. I don't think they would just drop a Cal Kestis or an Ezra straight in, because they know um, not everyone is going to have watched Rebels or played Fallen Order. Yeah. So, like, when I think about it like that, of course, the only other option is Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I think it wouldn't be beyond this show. I I didn't. I never thought it was going to be Ahsoka because I thought that'd be really weird. If I, Ahsoka was like. No, I don't want to. I don't want to train Grogu. Go sit on this rock, yeah. and it will call her Jedi. Yeah, and then she just gets called, and she's like, "Oh god damn it!" Yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, that's that's the thing. But like, because even with the Ahsoka episode, I know they kind of just dropped that straight on us. But at least, like, they they gave us the exposition in advance and said like, 
hey, no, there's this Jedi... Bo-Katan said there's this Jedi called Ahsoka who's still out there kind of thing. And you can watch it and you get it when you watch that episode. You don't need to have... And they ex- they do enough exposition in that episode where you don't... It's not essential that you've watched all seven series of The Clone Wars and all four series of Rebels, is it? You can watch that episode well, and still enjoy you, it. Have you <clears> seen <throat> that on the Star Wars bit of Disney+, Plus, one of their, like sections because obviously they've got the Darth Vader collection which I still find like hilarious because it's like he's in most of Star Wars (laughs) but they've also now got like the Ahsoka Tano episodes Mm. and it's specific episodes from Clone Wars so I'm wondering whether they set that up to be like a crash course for anyone who did want to just get a because it really definitely looks like it's not everything yeah but it is like a good spread of her like adventures through the Clone Wars that's it and yeah I th- and obviously the more you put in the more you're going to get out of Star Wars but like I, th- I still think you could have not known who that character was and gone in and still enjoyed um what was that chapter called chapter 13 chapter Jedi. the Jedi 13 and, yeah. yeah yeah just called the Jedi the Jedi it? yeah um I think you could have still gone in and and because they do enough exposition in it. Whereas if they just suddenly drop, if that X-wing parked up in that ship and Cal Kestis got out, like that, mm. that's too, that's naive. And I think the the show creators and the producers are smarter than that. They wouldn't just assume you know who a character is and make it like this epic moment. Whereas Luke Skywalker is obviously the only Jedi who requires absolutely no introduction at all. Yeah. Um. If you don't mind, before we get into the rest of the show, can I talk about whether this does the Mandalorian break or fix the sequel trilogy in this Luke Skywalker cameo? Um, because I, I I I stayed off Twitter, which I'm really glad I did until I'd seen this episode. Because oh my god, people love to spoil it like immediately, don't they? Um, yes. I went on, and and there is actually quite a big divide because I think there's now this this sort of ridge where people fall into one of two categories which is they're in the and I, I sent you some screen caps of people talking about Kathleen Kennedy earlier in the week because they seem to think that she's got no involvement in this whatsoever um, <laughs> but like people either fall into the category of like oh my god John and Dave are saving Star Wars or you fall into the category of The Last Jedi um, which I think is a it's this ridge should should not be happening because I think all of Star Wars is 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 still relevant and they're never going to wipe the canon of of any of this. But I think if anything, for me, I think the Mandalorian is complementing the sequel trilogy. Um, but you're a bigger fan of the Last Jedi than I am, um, and I'm wondering what the Luke Skywalker thing did for you and whether it I think bit bigger fan in that like you would give it a 7 and I would give it an 8 because over time we've both just come to appreciate it more mm. um but I think this it definitely adds to it I think I I we would we chatted very briefly about this before the show because we wanted to keep it for like a fresh discussion on air but it really is annoying that the first thing I saw about the Mando season finale was oh this just you know the sequel tri- this means the sequel trilogy is 100% trash and I was like <laughs> you don't have to use one bit of Star Wars to beat another bit of Star Wars into submission you can just enjoy all of it it's, yeah totally you can see where it all complements each other yeah uh, the main thing is this kind of adds to the, the picture painted in The Last Jedi which is that 
Luke after the uh, Return of the Jedi was just in his prime. Yeah, totally. He was just right, he was on cloud nine. He was going about you know kicking ass, taking names. But the thing is, and this may get me some stuff in the comments, but. Luke Skywalker is not a character in The Mandalorian. He is a plot twist. Yes, a uh, cameo. He, yeah. does, he, he does not need an arc. He does not need to do anything. He just shows up, he saves the day, and he leaves. Like, it's exactly, and, and this was intentional, I think it's exactly like Vader in Rogue One, in that yeah. Yeah, you're showing that when you put this massive character from the Skywalker saga and, and drop him in a spin-off, he's obviously going to mm. have like an impact. Whereas, in the Skywalker, like for the Last Jedi and Force Awakens, etc., like when they came to write Luke Skywalker as one of the main characters, then it's obviously not going to have as much of an impact because you, he is, he's not just a cameo. He's, he's a big character in a big film. Whereas putting a big character in a small property, smallish property like The Mandalorian or Rogue One, is is a big deal. Yeah, and also I don't think people really appreciate how boring three movies in the sequels of just Luke being the super all-star Jedi yeah. that isn't affected by anything, doesn't have any flaws. That would it just got old really fast and it just raised a lot of contrivances about why there's even any struggle in the galaxy if Luke Skywalker is, you know, still in the prime of his life rather than somebody who is a bit older, is a bit more cynical and just like he did in the throne room with chopping off his own, you know, his own dad's hand, yeah. Darth Vader's hand, uh, let the anger overtake him again in his old age, yeah. and this time he almost killed someone. Yeah. And it just spooked him. And as much as like that was a kick-ass scene, obviously the X-Men pulling up and him going through the hallways, yeah. to me, it still doesn't have the impact of a uh, force-projected Luke. Just the simple fact that he buys enough time for them to escape, and after he appears on screen, no one else dies. Yeah. And it, it was the most Jedi thing possible because it was non-violent. He just basically went out, bought them some time, even though it cost him his life. It was, and it built up all the themes of the film about how Luke Skywalker was not a legend by literally creating a legend in the story of his final battle. Yeah, exactly. And about how he faced down the entire First Order. Whereas this was very cool. This was like, yeah, you know, he he's chopping up the droids. But it's it's just kind of, eh. <laughs> you know. I enjoyed it. Well, That's the thing. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, it's... but I think there was definitely more emotional weight behind the the other totally. situation. Yeah, this is like uh, this is exactly the same as the Vader hallway scene. In that, like, yes, it shows the power of this character, but like, you can't have a three hour movie of Vader just chopping up rebels in a hallway because that's not interesting. Like, mm. doing it as like a two minute scene is interesting in in because it. it yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not. As you say, it's it's a plot twist. It's not a character arc. And I, I think the the thing is with this is that the divide I was talking about is that on the one hand, people, the fans of Mandalorian are 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 saying, yeah, well, this is so much better than the sequel trilogy. On the other hand, you have fans of of the of the sequel trilogy saying that Mandalorian is written for the dude bros and <laughs> inverted commas um, by having Boba Fett be awesome and having Luke Skywalker be awesome um, it's not so much the dude bros it's being written for the people who know all the lore yeah but now this is now this is a question I pose to you 
Has any... Which season of The Mandalorian do you prefer? Oh, that's a toughie. Because the only thing I'll say about the second season is that there are definitely some episodes where The Mandalorian is playing second fiddle to whatever, you know... Yeah. Whatever Star Wars lore that The Mandalorian needs you to learn. To I learn. actually... I'm, I'm going to refuse your question and say, like, I think it's it's one continuous story. And I don't think... You know, we were talking about, like, Doctor Who series... What, what just happened? Twelve. Yes. You know how we, we spoke about how it kind of felt like they were giving in to pressure a bit and just introduced... They, they threw in the Daleks and the Master and the Cybermen and, and because of the complaints about Series 11 not having any of that at all. Yeah. Um. Th- like, I don't think that was the case with Mandalorian. Even though they threw in, like... They they played a lot of of a lot of their their powerful cards. I don't think I think this felt like a natural ending to this story in that the Mandalorian was always tasked with getting Grogu safe, and that's yeah. And well, that's the thing. the The whole season is the Mandalorian is tasked with getting Grogu to a Jedi. Yeah, and he does. Yeah, exactly. And and these characters. Like, that's the thing. It doesn't. It feels earned. Yeah, exactly. At the same time, yeah. This it's, isn't. Yeah, it's like. Going over like having a whole episode of like, they just felt like if I hadn't seen Clone Wars, there'd have been a lot of stuff where I was just like, okay, cool, just another person, I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. It felt it felt like those characters are around in this, so it makes sense. And it's closer to Return of the Jedi than it is to The Force Awakens, so it makes sense that Luke is in his prime as well. And I don't think yeah. it under I don't think it under undermines the sequel trilogy at all. If anything, this episode really did fix part of the sequel trilogy for me in that I now something in my in my body just accepted the Palpatine thing a little bit more because there was a very 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 clever line where the fantastic Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon says something along the lines of we have his blood which will restore order to the galaxy or something along those lines and I think that was a yeah. very well written line in that to the casual fan you can just be like obviously the Empire wants to restore order to the galaxy but then you go a little bit deeper and obviously order is is the beginnings of the first order and then you look a little bit deeper still and it's that first little sprinkling of a hint towards the fact that their ultimate goal is to bring Palpatine back um, mm. and I know it's that that one line I think is is so pivotal because it just in ca- in canon it allows me to believe Rise of Skywalker that little bit more. Of course, out of canon it it's done in retrospect. Like out of canon, like they weren't planning that from the beginning. But the fact that they've slotted in a bit of live action media that does help fill the gap between Jedi and and Force Awakens. I think that's that adds a lot to, to it for me because I told you I read the Rise of Kylo Ren and it felt like a total shoehorn um, getting Palpatine yeah. in there. Whereas this, I think, really does sell it to me a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think I don't know. I always imagined it though, and this is kind of obviously gone against that, and that's fine. But I always imagined it as that like. A bit like the expanding universe, there was already all this going on even prior to Return of the Jedi, mm. and there was already like a palpitating. And like this cloning is simply just 
clone experiments. I always thought that it was going to be like, oh, they lost Grogu, but then Palpatine contacted them and was like, yo, come use my blood, I'm on Exegol. Yeah. Well, and that's how they made Snoke, and then that's how they kind of disappeared and reemerged, kind of thing. Yeah. Because they were trying to, they're trying to do it, but then it turns out it's all for naught, kind of. Well, you know what's clever about a, that yeah. line as well, if you uh, like, and and that episode as well, is that it's kind of it's what I wanted to see, and that they've it sort of alludes that they're going to shunt some of that big stuff over to other media, like maybe I don't maybe Rangers of the New Republic. Um, and and I think this episode was very smart in that it was able because it like the fact that they just needed Grogu's blood and I don't know maybe Moff Gideon was lying but the fact that they just needed Grogu's blood suggests that they're going to shunt all of that stuff off to a different property because I don't think the Mandalorian should explicitly show the beginnings of the First Order no <clears throat> I think the one thing that will be interesting with all of this is where does the Mandalorian go next? Because they, you know, they've defeated Gideon. Yeah. Grogu has gone with Luke, and kind of you just got this obviously cast, and all of everything's kind of been wrapped up. Yeah. So they're obviously going to need something for like a season three that's going to bring everyone back because this is this that was quite a satisfactory ending, to, and you obviously you refer to it as a continuous story. That basically wraps up everything from the first two seasons quite nicely. Yeah, totally. Um... Yeah, and I'm excited. I'm, if anything, more excited for Mandalorian now because they're gonna, like, I think they've done a good job at setting up the spin-offs and setting up the expanded media. But I, I do think that, and maybe that's why season one is perhaps as good as season two for me, is because like, yeah, I did like the more focused stuff in there, even though I loved all the cameos and stuff in season two but again all that stuff in season two is gonna is gonna split off and and not over complicate the sh- the core of the show itself um let's talk about the book of boba fett um what did you think of that post credit scene i thought that was pretty pretty cool yeah um <laughs> i turned yeah, i turned just... to my partner and i was like oh my god that's bib fucking fortune oh never mind <laughs> yeah. Part of me thought it was going to be like a flashback. Yeah. Uh, of like Boba Fett, like one, you know, coming in before he gets his armor back or whatever. But obviously, him just turning back back up for like revenge is quite fun. Yeah. It, and then I think the curious... it kind of it, there's there's sinisterness undercutting it, isn't it, when he sits on the throne? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because so, yeah. we've obviously seen a more sympathetic Boba Fett in the last few episodes. Um, so it's interesting to see what he's going to do as potentially this boss of the underworld, boss of the gangsters on, on Tatooine. Um, but the the interesting thing is it says um, the Book of Boba Fett, December 2021. Do you think that's part of The Mandalorian Season 3 or do you think this is its own spin-off show? I would have found it very strange... That it wouldn't have been if it was a spin-off show, it wouldn't have got announced at the Disney showcase. I mean, obviously, obviously they want to like keep some things under wraps, but well, you know, you never know. Said, if the, oh yeah, there's a Boba Fett show in development, but you never know what the investors saw because they obviously bleeped out quite a lot of. That's true. Um, there is also the chance that it is a book. Oh right, okay. Like as in, like a you know. An actual book. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Which will just be the story of Boba Fett's further adventures. Yeah, possibly. Uh, I would find it 
quite interesting if he did become a you know turncoat and become like a villain or not even like a villain but more like an anti-hero just rival kind of thing yeah like the mandalorian gets given a job like a, pr- a routine job but boba fett's been tasked with defending them kind of thing right yeah yeah it's possible um i'm, I'm really interested to see because i don't think he'd i don't know you see obviously um fennec shan's there as well and and she frees the the uh, twi'lek slave who's who's being kept there so i mean it leads me to think he'll be like he'll be a sort of definitely a more liberal kind of um um boss of the underworld kind of thing um so i'm i'm really interested to see what that happens um i think there were rumors a very long time ago about a moss eisley um underworld tv series weren't they i wonder if that was this in in its very early concept um do you remember I, that i think i wouldn't re- be surprised do you remember us reporting would, on that i don't but i wouldn't be surprised if this reuses some of those ideas yeah because a lot of a lot of obviously the new star wars stuff as much as obviously people were like oh it's owned by disney now it's just reusing old george lucas ideas or just hmm. other ideas like that so i yeah i wouldn't be surprised uh, if if it was just reading off a playbook from an earlier planned show, yeah. But I'm still, you know, doesn't take away my interest in it. No, no, definitely. Um, overall, this was a phenomenal season. Um, I think it it trailed off a little bit in the middle, but started with one of my favourite ever episodes, um, the Marshall. Um, hit a couple of highlights, but then yeah, and ended on a on a total whopper as well. So. Um, I wonder how yeah. well this will stack up. We haven't, we haven't talked about the CGI much. What, what do you think of the CGI? Are we talking specifically the uh, the Luke Skywalker CGI? Yeah, it looks better than it did in Rogue One. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I think um, I watched it on, but on my. That's why he probably doesn't have many lines. Well, yeah, exactly. I watched it on my TV, and and there was a tiny bit of distraction at first. Um, I was obviously freaking out at this point but I mean my, my partner was able to sort of see past the fan service and, and thought it looked a bit shaky and then um, I rewatched it on, on like my phone or, or on our smaller devices and stuff like this morning and, and um, it, it, it definitely does look better on a, on a smaller screen <laughs> um, yeah but I think also it was kind of it was a bit of a must because I think the fan cast obviously was Sebastian Stan um but I think they wouldn't have been able to keep that under wraps if if they had gone ahead with that. And I'm actually shocked that they did because the Boba Fett thing leaked, um, the Ahsoka thing leaked. Um, whereas this, there was just no no thing, nothing pointing towards this at all. So yeah, I think that's yeah. I I, I think it was. I think it worked. It served its purpose. That if they go and do a Grogu and Luke or Gro or Luke and Ben Solo show. I don't think they'll rely on on the on that technology for the entire shebang. Um, no, I think they'd have to cast someone. But yeah, uh, it it definitely served its purpose for the very short amount of screen time that he did have. So yeah, overall, wow, what a what a what a Christmas treat, eh? Yeah, no, I thought it, thought it was good. Yeah, well, actually, we ended up rewatching Rogue One last night as well. Oh, what an absolute glorious film! Yeah. And that's why I say it, it. It definitely looks better, but then Luke is very static. Mm. He's very still. He keeps his hood up for most of it. Yeah. He says a few words and he leaves. Yeah. 
And honestly, oh, one last thing. When R2-D2 showed up and obviously Grogu was like being a bit hesitant, mm. I honestly thought he was going to fire his little plunger thing out and just drag Grogu away. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you're coming with us. <laughs> so, do you want to talk about the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special now? Let's do it. So this, um, I honestly thought was going to release closer to Christmas. But it actually came out last month. Yeah. But, you know... Considering it is what li- it's the Life Day celebration, which is just their kind of parallel analog to Christmas. Mm. Before it- I think that was the first thing we decided about this year's kind of end of year episode was that we were going to cover the Star or Lego <laughs> Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah, it is. We probably won't even have as much to talk about as we did with the Mandalorian. It it's kind of set after uh, Episode Nine. Yeah, because R- Ray is donning her yellow lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, it's non-canon, thing, by the way. We should point that it's out. Non- <laughs> it's very obviously non-canon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's got kind of back to the future time travel shenanigans and just gets very ridiculous very fast. Yeah. But there is some stuff about it I did like. Um, like the, uh, the core the core character arc in it is that Ray is struggling with trying to teach Finn. Mm. And that immediately I was like, yeah, I like this. Yeah, I did as well. Um, I'm I'm, I'm going to kick us off with um, I don't know. I'm going to talk a br- bit about the sort of the marketing of this led me to believe this was a bit more of a um, let's say family tier movie rather than a kids tier movie because I I don't know. I initially assumed it would be closer to the Lego Movie or the Lego Batman movie. Um, Whereas this, I, I felt it was a bit close. Because when they released the marketing, it was a bit more sort of tongue-in-cheek, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, whereas actually, I think it, it, it was more like those sort of the Lego Yoda Chronicles kind of kids kids stuff, where it's um, very, very low low threat and fun. Um, which is... <laughs> I'm not going to come out here and say, like, yeah, bloody too much fun in my Lego Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> but I was going to say, are we, were you seriously <clears throat> expecting a darker tone for a Christmas Not necessarily dark, but just, like, I think, like, there there was more pizzazz in the animation style and, and more more of a direction in, in those... in the Lego theatrical movies of recent times. Um, hmm. Whereas this was, yeah, very much very simple visuals... Um, like the animation had no particular pizzazz to it, did it? It was just kind of very smooth Lego movements. Um, yeah, it, it was very. There was nothing particularly special about like the visuals. It was yeah. Yeah, because also kind like of what you, what you get on the tin. Because also I was I, I can't believe I'm coming out on a Christmas special of our podcast and and knocking the quality of the Lego stuff. Like, what am I doing? But all I'm saying is like I, I don't know the fact that it was a tongue in cheek reference to something adults would have seen in the 1970s you know mm. with the whole bringing back life day and the holiday special and and this that and the other like i i just had a little bit higher expectation <laughs> um and it wasn't ridi- but outside outside of its premise there's not really much it borrows from the original holiday special maybe that's why i'm disappointed slightly <laughs> but maybe but you can see why they were like then maybe we should steer clear of that yeah mate why weren't the writers on acid <laughs> <laughs> um it reminds me of uh do you remember that uh simpsons episode where they're bringing back radioactive man as like a movie yeah. they're like we want to stay as far away from the campy 60s version as possible <laughs> Yeah, definitely. That's that probably was like the marketing meeting for it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. 
Um, yeah, what, who am I kidding? I, I, <laughs> this was a fun kids thing, and and it was fun, and I um I enjoyed the fact that they there was a little bit of lore in there. I know this was out of canon, but they kind of had um some crystals and this kind of thing alluding to the sort of the the world between worlds that they touch on in in Rebels and in canon um, with the sort of mm. time travel element, and I I'd actually. I'd one day want to see something like this in canon, because um, yeah, I think I, I think it's it's almost an eventuality with the with the pace of knots they're going with Star Wars, um, they're eventually going to have to they're going to have to sort of come across time travel eventually. It's already been alluded to in Rebels, um, and yeah, seeing Darth Vader fight Rey was was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, seeing uh, what the two Darth Vaders like arguing was pretty cool yeah when they arrive on Hoth yes <laughs> but basically it was an excuse to revisit all like the best moments from Star Wars yeah. basically wasn't yeah, it yeah totally um, but and that was kind of like the A plot of it and it was Ray learning through watching the relationships between masters and apprentices all the way through time mm. how to be a better master which isn't good enough kind of character arc for like a fun holiday special uh, the B plot was just kind of there. Yeah, it was standard Christmas B plot of nothing's ready. Yeah. Ah, yeah, we've got family coming from out of town. <laughs> what are they going to eat? <laughs> yeah. Um, which brings me like again, I'm not. I, I the thing, the reason we probably won't spend too long on this is because it feels very mean to be beaten up on a Christmas special for kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did find that Poe's characterization was just really bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Also, he was, like, from the from one the... that was getting like really like aggravated about nothing being ready, and it's like this is Poe. He just <laughs> he's as like this cool, you know cool as a cucumber guy for all the actual movies. I'm gonna knock it down again just because uh, this is the <laughs> third opportunity they've passed on having Finn Poe Finn Poe romance. So that that knocks mm. that knocks another point off for me. Um, I enjoyed I enjoyed seeing Ray training Finn because like that's something we should have seen during the Rise of Skywalker, um, rather than the very last line Finn has to say in the Rise of Skywalker is like Ray. By the way, I could use the Force. Um, I like the <laughs> fact that they actually just they just yeah they just went in and and showed that. And this look this hasn't got any wider connotations on on uh, on 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 the Star Wars universe at all. But I if they do when they do when they do eventually carry on. After the rise of Skywalker, that is something I want them to just implement immediately, and and that's the only way they're going to get um, Boyega back as well. Is if they say like, "Look, you've been trained by Rey. You're a Jedi now. Like, we're not going to beat around the bullet any longer. You and Rey are the new Jedi." Um, yeah, yeah. So cool. <laughs> it was fun. I'm. More looking forward to the James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy live action holiday special, and in a couple of years' yes. time, because I think that's going to be that's going to be balls to the wall. We're riffing on the Star Wars holiday special. They're probably even going to mention it, like for, for in in reality, like there's going to be a line. I, I can ima- I can imagine Chris Pratt, uh, Star Lord, talking about like how he saw the uh, the Star Wars holiday special growing up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, and, yeah. and you can you can just tell already it's going to be uh, Star Lord going like it's Christmas and all of them being like it's what yeah <laughs> yeah totally yeah I I think that's going to be the more if they if they they're leaning into the nostalgia of 
the Star Wars Holiday Special a lot recently. I think it is. I I think they're going to release it at some point, um, unless George Lucas literally like goes up to them and threatens threatens their lives. Then I think I think with all this sort of nostalgia and stuff, I think they've got to do it on Disney Plus eventually. Um, <laughs> this is going to be our yeah, this is going to well, be our new Snyder Cut discussion of of. 2021 <laughs> hashtag release the holiday special yeah. you cowards do it <laughs> I don't know maybe it's just like a little line somewhere in like the massive contract that was probably written up for the, the sale of Star Wars to Disney uh, where Lucas insisted said accept the Star Wars holiday special that is in my personal safe yeah. under armed guard yeah. 24 hours a day <laughs> yeah yeah totally but yeah, you know, if if you've got kids, then then this is a very entertaining thing to watch. So next up, as we get ready to celebrate the season, we thought we would just do a bit more of a laid back discussion on the theme of just Christmas movies. Uh, we could have extended it to TV, but I think every TV show has uh, the obligatory Christmas special. <laughs> And there aren't really that many Christmas games beyond uh, Freeze Easy Peak from Banjo-Kazooie, which is literally Christmas-themed. So we're going to go to Christmas movies instead. Uh, I'll start with a, a dialogue I was having um, <laughs> with my brother the other day, which I think I told you when we were like yeah. between recordings. I, I came down and he said, what is the quintessential Christmas movie? And I said, Muffet's Christmas Carol. And he went, no, 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 no. Die Hard. And you went, what are the top two Christmas movies? And I was like, oh, I see what you're doing. <laughs> Die Hard, Muppet's Christmas Carol. And he was like, no, Die Hard, Die Hard 2. <laughs> and then he like looked at me and I was just looking confused. And he decided, went, okay, what are the three quintessential Christmas movies? <laughs> Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Muppet's Christmas Carol. <laughs> So that brings me to my first question for you. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. <laughs> Do you want me to expand? <laughs> well, I just thought it was quite interesting because I saw a comment the other day saying, like, it's not a Christmas movie because the only reason it's set at Christmas is because it's meant to create, like, the contrast between, obviously, the time of year it is and the gritty nature of the action that's taking place. I'm ignoring all that and thinking it's a Christmas movie because it's about a balding dad on the brink of divorce and that's every Christmas movie. <laughs> ignore the action. That's very true. Ignore, ignore, ignore everything else. And also, Alan Rickman says ho, ho, ho in it, so it's it's a Christmas movie. What I saw the other day, though, is are any of the Harry Potter movies Christmas movies? No. Like, I know that they just show them in the UK at Christmas time, yeah. but... No, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, no, I saw somebody say that the other day, and I was like, no, they don't. They're just, they're just movies. They're a full school <laughs> term, aren't they? So they have, like, a, a Christmas interlude. Um, yeah. And as the, as the films go on, the Christmas interlude is less and less. <laughs> yeah. It, and more it, and more, more depressing. And more, <laughs> yeah, because obviously the movies become less and less focused on the actual structure of a school year and just obviously more on the plot, which, you know, is natural as the plot gets more serious. By the, the sort of third that, that... and fourth and fifth movies, the Christmas break becomes to the point where it's just like, Sirius Black's back and he killed my parents and Ron's, Ron's dad was bitten by a snake and we're all depressed and... becomes yeah. less and less festive. I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty sure there's one movie... Where it just does this transition where it goes through a window and it's like snowing outside. Yeah, you're right. And it just yeah. cuts to the next scene. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's it. That that was Christmas. It's done. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I'm not counting. I'm not counting the Harry Potter movies. Um, you're right though in that uh, Muppets Christmas Carol is is the quintessential Christmas movie. Um, yes, it's also the best uh, adaptation of a Christmas Carol. It's Michael Caine, isn't it? Just acting with a bunch of Muppets. Yeah, and oh, it it holds up really well visually. We watched it quite recently, and it's yeah, it's. Those puppets are just incredible, and like the background puppets and the tiny puppets and the tiny mice that peep, peep through a little crack in the wall, it's so well produced. The songs are catchy, and as you as you were saying, like it is the quintessential Christmas Carol. If you ask people, like about the like you, you ask uh, who are the first two ghosts to visit uh, Scrooge in a Christmas Carol, most people would probably say, "Oh, it's the two Marley brothers." And then you can point out smugly. There's only one fucking Marley in the original, but you've watched the Muppets Christmas Carol, so, um, and it is just—it's just that iconic, isn't it? Like, it, mm. <laughs> you could probably trick yourself into believing there is two Marley brothers in the original book, <laughs> and they I say, think... "Oh, Scrooge, you're a loser." <laughs> <laughs> I think it set a new standard for like Christmas adaptations because. I now think that franchises see that as like the holy grail, yeah. making your adaption so good yeah. that it actually overtakes the original. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah. Well, it's because there wasn't really a definitive version before that as well, was there? Well, it, it, A Christmas Carol was kind of like Miracle on 30th, uh, is it what, 34th Street? Yeah. 32nd? As in, there's been like three or four versions throughout the years. None of them really I'd say the definitive one mm. they're all like they all have their own merits like so you've got the one with um, Richard Attenborough in and you've got like the one from like the 40s or whatever mm. as in for Miracle yeah. not um, Christmas Carol so the fact that they came along made something that was just so different and so out there kind of stole it mm. um, if they wanted to do it again though I would definitely be interested in Muppets Miracle and <laughs> Miracle on Muppet Street or something like that it's a Muppets Wonderful Life um <laughs> I think that's a great that is a great Christmas movie I think maybe it's uh, a bit too dark at places to be Muppets yeah. but but then obviously so is Christmas Carol to be fair yeah like Christmas Carol like the lowest ebb for Scrooge is very dark this is the thing I think if you re- if you like if you removed the Muppets from the Muppets Christmas Carol <laughs> it's still probably the strongest at like visual adaptation like yeah. Michael Caine is perfect, and and the like the design of like the Ghost of Christmas Future of Christmas Yet to Come is terrifying. Mm. With the long arms, well, the thing, and it, the, yeah, and it, the big hood, and it's oh my god, it's terrifying. It can use its kind of unique aesthetic to make more impact in those moments. Yeah, it it's got its Muppets, and it knows how to use them correctly. Yeah, which is just something that not everyone knows how to do. Yeah, totally. So, what would you say is like another of your like top Christmas movies? What have you been waiting all year to rewatch? Yeah, I'm not the I'm not the kind of guy that gets to December first and has to insist on putting like Home Alone on. Um, mm. Oh, I feel like I'm gonna get stick for this, but I don't I don't love the Home Alone movies. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I'm not, I, I got nothing enjoy, against them. I, I enjoy them fine, mm. but I don't have to watch them every year. No, uh, that's the thing. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm just. I'm. I'm my, a lot of Christmas films are quite 
crap, and and I I I I don't know. That it, it's always it's Jack Frost and the Santa Claus. Well, they all blend into one for me because it's just like, yeah, it's it's balding dad about to be divorced or something who has to reconnect with his kids by embracing the magic of Christmas and like every single one of them is just the exact same movie that's why I love Die Hard that's why I love Muppets Christmas Carol that's why yeah I, I like the sort of the more original yeah, story that's like the the plot of like um, Santa Claus isn't it like that Tim Tim Allen one yeah but then he accidentally kills Santa, so that's got a bit of a weird dark <laughs> yeah. plot point right at the beginning. Did you hear? Have you have you seen that interview from uh, I don't know Jimmy Fallon or Kim or whatever, where he was saying apparently he he was he originally was like defending his home with a shotgun because he thought someone was breaking in, and he actually shoots Santa in the, in the original script. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Yeah, that would have been a that's very awful. different different movie. Um, that movie would not have aged as well either, <laughs> really, if you think about it. Um, but yeah, oh, they're all no. quite creepy. Like Jack Frost is creepy. Is it Jack Frost where, where Keaton becomes the snowman? That's that's creepy as well. Like a lot. Like yeah, I don't know. I think that is like a key ingredient in great Christmas <clears throat> movies. Is just a little bit of uneasiness <laughs> yeah. in the whole concept. Make it terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think too many Christmas movies, at least the the modern ones, either. Or at least that I've seen. I've not seen too many like ones from the last few years, but mm. just a few I've seen have just had like no real stakes because they're like they're trying to be Christmas movies. Yeah, and I guess that's fine. Like there are definitely the Christmas movies you watch because they're like timeless classics, mm. and other times you're like, oh, let's just put something on with Christmas in the title because we're all just a bit hammered. Uh, I think the last one, uh, the last original one I watched was the Christmas Chronicles, which just wasn't very good. Um, was it that's Netflix isn't that's it? Netflix that's that's kind of the the modern Christmas movie but like you can't you know I was saying earlier about in the Muppets when you've just got all the real puppets and the way they move move and the way they look and everything it's just so like comfortable and but then just like having they sort of do a similar thing in Christmas Chronicles but with all CGI little animals and stuff and it's just like just does not hit the same notes um it's yeah it just doesn't quite work as well um yeah but but there we go um but then like i'm like but animation i think is really like i i really want to watch is it klaus um I, I saw the trailer for that and the animation looks really beautiful um so that's one i'd definitely be interested to give a go with with but getting away from just live action mm. i also enjoy the snowman which is a classic oh yeah classic every year hand-drawn um yeah, sort of music-based, um, classical music-based piece, which is yeah, that that's a really good one. Um, and then doesn't he? Is it what Coke or Pepsi or something? Doctor Pepper, isn't it? That the snowman now drinks. Oh, what? Or in a trailer? In, in a, right, yeah. <laughs> in like the ads in recent years, because <laughs> of course um, they made like a follow-up to the snowman, didn't they? Like the, the snow snowman's dog, dog like, yeah. years ago. Yeah. Uh, no, I think those are, like, classic. I enjoyed uh, the adaptions. They, arguably not strictly Christmas. They just obviously made them release them at Christmas. But I enjoyed, like, obviously the, the things they did around, like, the Gruffalo and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, that's the thing. They just... There's a few things that I'll, I'll think of Christmas when I think of them just because that's when they were released, even though they're not very Christmassy. Like, the most recent... Um, 
Wallace and Gromit short they made a few years ago was a Christmas release. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and that was, that just, you know, Wallace and Gromit in general makes me think, like, because I swear that's another one they rerun at Christmas, but it's not Christmas movie. Um, what is your opinion on Elf? I, again, I don't love it. Sorry. It's, it's, that, it's the same story again, isn't it? There's, there's all boardrooms, and there's always... There's always a there's always just a man in a boardroom who's always shouting at someone on the phone and then someone brings him and then his kid walks in with a little present or something and he's always just like oh now I love Christmas let's have a happy Christmas all the same film um yeah sorry. I think uh, I, I think there's a lot of charm to it but I think you could boil down the modern Christmas movie and we could we could almost just give you all the steps if you at home want to write your your own Christmas <laughs> yeah. movie it is uh man in boardroom <laughs> the Christmas season is coming up but they need to meet sales expectations or something he has child or loved one he comes in and goes Merry Christmas honey <laughs> he goes girl I don't care about this <laughs> the sales and business you know yeah which then, is essentially I suppose a Christmas carol yeah I suppose it is just a you know it is something that was started with a Christmas Carol. Yeah. So obviously that is and then, as I said, Scrooge. it hit peak with Muppets Christmas Carol. So they just should have given up after that because they're just never going to match it, are they? <laughs> <laughs> we don't need any more Christmas movies. We could have stopped because... this conversation after five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> a, a memo goes around Hollywood like, no more Christmas movies. Yeah. They did it. it. They did it. They we did cracked it. the code. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, all right. I, just a couple more I'll just I'll throw in. I'll tell you what does it quite well, because it's got that nice blend of absolutely terrifying and quite charming. Polar Express. Never seen it, actually. It's a nightmare, but again, that kind of... <laughs> it kind of works. Like, that, that's, the, that's, one of the, that's one of the key ingredients of a good Christmas film, is kind of have it look absolutely terrifying. Um, so I guess that's, that's probably one of the best modern-ish shots at it. Um, uh, I think... I think from a like more modernish angle, I'd probably say uh, Love Actually. Okay, let's talk about Love Actually. Um, that film is a mess structurally, <laughs> but it's so feel good. Can you tell me the plot? Well, it's following multiple different people's adventures with love, isn't it? Really. Hmm. Um, you've got obviously Hugh Grant, who's Prime Minister yeah. in it, who falls in love with his new assistant. You've got um, Professor Snape. Yes. Who starts getting feelings for another woman, yeah. um, and buys her a nice gift, and obviously his wife finds out. You've got um, the little boy on the drums, uh, Liam Neeson's child, yeah. who obviously has got his first crush, and they have the classic airport running scene, yes, where he jumps like the security gates, which I'm pretty sure would get you like tasered <laughs> nowadays, or just shot, just straight up yeah. shot, yeah. Um, um, and it all kind of culminates, obviously, in like this Christmas pantomime, which is like an under the sea theme. Yeah, you've got the little girl who's playing an octopus at the birth of Jesus, which is an instant classic. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you. Love actually is pretty good, actually. And and of course there is some classic scenes like the the uh, the doorstep scene with Andrew Lincoln with the uh, the big yeah, cards. Yeah. That's that's been like referenced in like uh, Lamprey just so many times, yeah. hasn't it, over yeah. the years. Um, yeah, because that's another one, isn't it? Like, he's in love with, what, his best friend's wife or something? Yeah. And I like how that yeah. story, it just kind of... It doesn't go 
And I, you know what? Okay, all right, fine. It is a good none of movie. it. None of it sinks too far into. Obviously, there are dips in everyone's like story. Yeah. But that that one in particular doesn't like break out into like melodrama and arguments. It just has this like sweet moment, and then yeah. it kind of. Even the same yeah. with the Alan Rickman story as well is that you, it doesn't really any it doesn't explicitly go any further than sort of the jewelry. Uh, yeah, that that's too. like the lowest ebb, isn't it? Yeah, and then it kind of picks up from there. Yeah, there's not like long scenes of arguments and things like that to like pull the movie down. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. I'll give you love. Actually, um, <laughs> that that can go up there, I suppose. Yeah. So what what we saying was. Uh, your brother said Die Hard 2 I'm I'm reluctant to put that up there yeah so would I be this was just a conversation we had um, I'd say the original Die Hard yeah so if we're saying like what well, our, our Christmas movie watch list yeah um, you've got Die Hard Muppets Christmas Carol Love Actually that'll do that'll do <laughs> the rest are all terrible <laughs> <laughs> don't bother um Oh, and the snowman. And the snowman, yeah. It's, it's like five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't add much to your to your viewing. No. <laughs> I mean, I won't go into any too much detail on this because obviously this is only meant to be a light-hearted uh, chat. But the, I do always have a soft spot for like a TV show doing a nice, good uh, Christmas special as well. Yeah, totally. Like, especially if you can just tell the whole cast is like just having fun. Yeah. Like a very low stakes, especially when it is like usually a high stakes show, mm. just a nice low stakes episode where everyone just gets to have a bit of fun on set. I'll tell you what, the Doctor Who Christmas Carol is pretty good. What, the Matt Smith one? Yeah. Yeah, it's got some really weird stuff at the beginning with obviously the implications of what uh, Amy and Rory are up to on their honeymoon. Oh, but God. aside from that. <laughs> It's yeah, I think it. I think it's quite a clever retelling. Yeah, I think it is. It, well, it's the best of the Moffat era Christmas specials, but that's not hard. <laughs> and uh, and you've got you've got Gambon as let. Let's just say it isn't. It's an adaptation of Christmas Carol. You've got Gambon as Scrooge, which is a pretty good inspired casting. That's good casting, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be like a good as much as obviously I don't think they should make any more Christmas Carol films because they've already cracked it <laughs> if they were to I think it would be something that would be a good like it's like goals isn't it in like the last bit of your acting career to get cast as Scrooge yeah oh yeah definitely yeah because you just get to like ham it up a bit yeah on set yeah totally oh yeah I mean it is just a perfect story isn't it it's just it's it's concise it's perfectly paced it just it's it's from A to B, and you can see the journey. It's yeah, it's it's, it's, it's yeah, and that's the thing. It its structure is. This is where we are uh, for Scrooge, especially with the three ghosts. It's like this is how you got here. This is where you are now. This is the impact that your actions are having now. Mm. And this is where you'll go if you don't change. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's the entire story, basically. Mm. So next up, we thought we would just take a look back. At what has been quite a um, tumultuous lit. <laughs> Let's try that again. So next, we thought we'd take a look back at what has been a bit of a tumultuous year, um, to say the least, and we're going to talk about some of the TV, uh, film, and games that we've enjoyed. So actually, we're not even going to limit this to stuff that just came out this year because obviously so much has been delayed or postponed. We just thought this would be a 
good chance to kind of just give some recommendations for some stuff and just say that what what we've been especially not we're not going to get too much into the politics of it but with with support for the arts uh in trouble mm. in certain countries how how what media has helped us get through the year mm. so i'm not sure if you want to just go but go through like tv then films and games or how you want to do it um should we start off with just tv shows that we've enjoyed this year yeah do you want to kick us off right so i think um honestly my probably my top show of the year is very um unusual because it's actually from apple tv plus of all places wow the the service that I'm only signed up to because I got a year free yeah. when I got my Mac. Yeah. <laughs> um, but have you seen Ted Lasso yet? No, I've got a year free as well, and I don't think I've watched a single thing on Apple TV yet. <laughs> yeah, so I would recommend that. Um, you've also got Mythic Quest, which is um, Rob McElhaney's yes uh, show. He's got Dan- Danny Pudi in it, and that's 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 pretty good. That's about a video game uh, developer, and it's it's quite. Uh, it's quite standard office comedy in some places, but it's quite interesting. Obviously, the the commentary it makes on video games in other places. Yeah. But Ted Lasso is Jason Sudeikis. Oh, cool. And it's it's about a um American football coach who moves to the UK to coach a Premier League UK football team. Right. Oh, yeah, I have, have with absolutely seen. no knowledge yeah. of the sport whatsoever. Um, except he's just got this like amazing outlook. And he's like the most positive guy in the world kind of thing. And it's just all about kind of him moving to the UK, like the reasons behind his move and just how he kind of develops the team over the course of a season and goes from like everyone just obviously writing him off as just being like this gimmick hire mm. by the club um, to actually like... And he's just one of the... He's just impossible to not like, even like as a viewer... Because he's just so, and the the show is just so well written and just like quick with its jokes as well. Like his he um he goes in one day and someone and they're talking about newspapers and his boss goes, "Well, I've spoken to the owner of the Sun," and he just looks shocked and goes, "God!" <laughs> <laughs> it's just like little jokes like that. Yeah, and he just comes out with like these little bits of wisdom, like he tells one of the players he's getting like frustrated like do you know what the happiest animal on the world in the world is a goldfish because they got a 10 second memory <laughs> be a goldfish <laughs> and it's just like so wholesome and it's just like it's just so well written and put together as well yeah. and unlike most american produced shows about england like <laughs> there's not there's not too many like over exaggerations like it's got anthony head in it and oh cool! Yeah. I swear he is putting on a bit more of a British accent than he would typically have. Yeah. Like everyone seems to be, but aside from that, it's not too, not too bad in like its portrayals and things like that. So yeah, I definitely, I'd say that's probably my top show of the year. Other shows, obviously, I enjoyed watching through what Clone Wars and what season seven was, which came out this year, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, God. March. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. <laughs> they um, they timed it like almost perfectly with the first lockdown didn't they in the UK <laughs> yeah exactly and like I say Mythic Quest was good I enjoyed all the shows that we watched because mm. obviously we did our stay home back in like May where we just watched a different streaming show each week 
I thought all of those were really good. Um, in terms of other things, like, yeah, I think those are like my main TV shows that I've kind of watched this year. I'm not sure if I'll, I'll pass over to you now to talk about some of the stuff that you've enjoyed. Um, yeah, so in terms of TV, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm very late to the game on this, but um, I've uh, I've just watched The Legend of Korra, which is the sort of follow-up to uh, The Last Airbender, and both, I think, are now available on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. And if you haven't watched it already, they are... They are both brilliant. Um, there's if 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 you're sort of if you've watched The Mandalorian and you want a little bit more of of Dave Filoni action, then he directs a lot of the first series of The Last Airbender um, and had a big creative hand in that. So it's yeah, it's it's very good quality stuff. You get the likes of Mark Hamill um, voicing it. You get Jason Isaacs does a voice in it. You've got Rami Malek does a voice in Korra. Um, there's some very big stars in it, um, and it's yeah, it's very it's even though it's a sort of family show it's got very adult themes um mm. but still very positive at the same time it's yeah it's it's one of these things that has a lot of hype at the moment and you sort of go in thinking oh it can't be that good but then actually it does go in and and, and blow you away a bit because it is just yeah a fantastic fantastic event watching both both the series last airbender and um legend of korra um, and you get to see how some of those characters age and, and stuff as well across the because one is set about 50 60 years after the other um so you get a really cool continuation of some of those characters and 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 some that 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 go from one side of the coin to the other and back and forth and stuff it's yeah very 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 good show both both I'd recommend both on Netflix yeah no I've 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 heard lots of good things about it. Um, there's somebody that I follow on YouTube that I think's got a Legend of Korra tattoo on his chest. Oh, cool. So and so he like raves about it when he's just like streaming and stuff like that. Yeah. So I have heard really good things about it. Um, so should we, should we move on to films? Yes. Do you want to kick us off this time? Uh, you go first because I'm trying to remember what I watched this year. <laughs> I'm trying to think what came out this year that I watched. So. The thing is, in the cinema, I've watched very little because the last time I went to the cinema was February. Mm. So I'll say that 1917, I'm glad I made the effort to go to the cinema for. Yeah. Uh, I think it's interesting because the, the film I've seen most people do like the head-to-head with it is Dunkirk. Mm. I think I prefer it to Dunkirk. Oh yeah, I did, totally. Because I think Dunkirk's structure is like a bit convoluted for the sake of it yeah I agree and whilst it does all come together at the end I thought like obviously the whole thing of like the one continuous shot whilst a gimmick did work very well yeah totally and there was just one bit obviously where it fades to black and fades back in in the middle just to show that time has passed but I thought yeah I thought it was a really good film uh, and also I saw <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog in cinemas oh you did didn't you I've, which I still haven't seen I thought was I thought was fine. <laughs> it, like, it it will probably win some awards just because nothing else came out. But <laughs> in general, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be because I thought it was going to suck, <laughs> especially with all like the production issues. And now they've done like that standard origins kind of thing in the first film. I'm actually more interested to see a sequel yeah. so they can possibly get into more of the Sonicy stuff. 
because some bit Sonic is a bit like Star Wars and that some bits of the lore you're like yeah this is really cool other bits of it are just weird and nuts and you're like well will this make a movie one day let's see <laughs> Sonic is uh, I've just had a, I'm just flicking through some of the apps now to have a look at what's come out Sonic is actually now on now TV slash Sky, Sky Cinema so you can catch that on there if you do want to check out your sort of recommendation <laughs> yes um, I think it's if you're curious or you're a Sonic fan watch it you'll be pleasantly surprised hmm. aside from that like what I know you're thinking as well I'm just trying to think of what other films have come out this year that I've watched obviously there's probably going to be one or two that have come straight to streaming that I've watched I didn't end up seeing Mulan at all so I did watch Mulan um, and I wanted to really like it but I didn't um See, my sister and her partner um, enjoyed it, but aside from that, I've just heard quite a lot of uh, probably quite warranted criticisms of it, obviously, mm. how it differs. I like how the fact that, obviously, they've made efforts to at least make it different, whereas I think Lion King, the criticism was it was basically the same. Yes. But the way that they've made it different, I don't know, there's always a little bit of magic loss when it's just like... The ev- the every person trope gets replaced with no no they've got mystic powers kind of yeah I actually watched it and I didn't actually hate that element because they kind of explain it as just having they don't say you've got the force or whatever they just say you've got like high chi um, which is kind of like a grounded concept um, I guess um, yeah I don't know they skipped over the most interesting part for me which which is the um, I think within about 25 minutes she's already gone and joined the army and I'm like yeah. whoa, whoa 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 you've sort of skimmed over the most interesting part of Mulan um, which is the training arc yeah well not necessarily just the tra- like the training does last a-, a decent amount but like I think one of oh, the okay. most interesting parts is sort of um, her, her sort of righteousness of doing of doing the act of taking over her father's place in the in the army um, hmm. Which they do in uh, they do better paced in the trailer than they do in the movie because I think there's more of that in the trailer and less of the action in the trailer. So um, <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. Odd, so it's, is time. your recommendation just to watch the trailer? Yeah, watch the trailer for Mulan. And but if you do want to watch the film, it's it's free now on Disney Plus. You don't have to pay the absurd twenty five quid or whatever it was. Um, I also yeah, watched I watched Wonder Woman in the cinema. Oh, what the new one? Yeah, um, which I enjoyed a lot. It's it's a bit over long. Uh, I think it was the same. I, I ran into the same issue I found with Shazam. In that I don't know DC's editors or Warner Brothers editors don't don't condense it enough because it it did drag out a very long time. But I did very much enjoy the film and the positivity of the film itself. Um, and you can tell it's female directed, which is really interesting uh, to see amongst all the other two pair of films that have come out over the last few years um, mm. you've got uh, Pedro Pascal just chewing scenery um, which which is really <laughs> fun so if you if you if you want a bit, bit more of a Pedro Pascal hit after finishing Mandalorian then then I'd, I'd check that out um, yeah Gal Gadot's Gal Gadot's great as always um, it's yeah it's re- really worth a watch um, and if you don't want to go out to the cinema I don't know if it is it coming out on, on UK Streaming in in on Christmas Day as well. I can't I can't remember. I don't think so, but we can have a look. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, don't risk the cinema if you, if you don't, if you don't want to, obviously. But um, 
yeah, it, if, you, if you can check it out, then do. Um... Speaking of Pedro Pascal, um, now that you've watched all of Community, mm. did you go back and watch the, the table read? No, I, I keep meaning to do that. Which character did he fill in for again? So it's, um, it is, uh, the one where they're all hooked up to lie detectors. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, uh, right, after uh, he, Pierce's so he, funeral. he's playing the guy doing the interrogation. Oh, um, Wally Goggins. Yeah. Yeah, okay, gotcha. And he <laughs> didn't read the script beforehand. So there's certain lines he gets to, and he just can't keep it together. Because <laughs> obviously you know how that episode, like, culminates. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, he just literally, he couldn't get through it. Oh, good. I'm going to go back and watch that. And yeah, so you, that's a, that's a recommendation as well. Was that on YouTube? Yeah, that's just on YouTube. They have, they did it for um, a good cause. Um, but yeah, it's just a table read of all the original cast of Community, and they do a kind of a Q and A afterwards. Oh, I love it. Um, but yeah, Pedro Pascal shows up to fill in for the guest character that couldn't make it. Um, actually, have you got any more YouTube recommendations for people to go and check out? Uh, YouTube it really depends what kind of thing you like. If you like kind of film and TV analysis, uh, I've been watching quite a lot of Cosmonaut Variety Hour recently. Uh, he does. The thing is, he he titles his videos very like to get the the hits, mm. which you know used to bother me, but now like I kind of appreciate that the people doing it full time they have to do that. Yeah. Like he'll quite often in his thumbnails put like does it suck or like worst of all time kind of thing. But then when you watch, he does give things very fair reviews. Like his one of his recent ones was Aquaman. Where basically by the end of it, he can, he actually realizes that it's not quite as bad as he first thought it was going to be. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the the video is still like titled like Aquaman. Is it the worst film ever? Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, he's a very good creator. He's doing his next video is going to be on Harry Potter. I think. So I'm actually quite looking forward to him going through obviously each film in in turn. Because mm. he's done like Star Wars, the MCU. He's going through like the DC films. Uh, got the completionist on the gaming side, who just completes games like he 100 percents them gets all their achievements um and he's very good he's a very positive person as well so he he usually like focuses on like the good and games which i don't think you get enough on youtube sometimes mm. um possibly i think the algorithm just recommends too much stuff that's negative yeah. like you watch one video on like the last jedi and then your recommendations to like the next month <laughs> are videos like why does it suck so much? <laughs> yeah. uh, what else on YouTube? Um, there's been some other stuff as well. Uh, maybe I'll tweak some of it later. But those are like thinking from like a film and TV and a games point of view. Those are kind of my top two. What would you say? Um, I've been watching a lot of obviously Mr. Sunday movies. Um, who does who does great YouTube content? I've been watching Dank Pods, another Australian. Who, if you're looking for sort of Christmas present ideas, he's a massive audiophile and he, he just sort of runs through amazing headphones and amazing speaker setups and stuff. Um, and he's got a pet snake who's who's great. Um, that's Dank Pods on YouTube. Um, what else have I been watching? <laughs> I sent you a video yesterday of NPCs in real life, which is <laughs> kept, oh, yes. which keeps me entertained at night. <laughs> That's that that's um from TikToks and stuff, isn't it? It is. I'm not on TikTok. I just sort of watch watch them on YouTube after. Yeah. But no, that's no, that, nor am I. <laughs> it's been a it's been a great source of content for me. YouTube this year actually. Um, there's some really great stuff on there. 
Um, oh, yeah. Um, just one more to add to my list. Just because I've been watching them, them both so frequently. One is uh, Alpharad, who does lots of gaming videos. Mm. But he's quite popular anyway, so you're probably already following. He does a lot of Smash content primarily. But like he, he dabbles in other things, and he's just quite an entertaining guy to watch. Mm. And also, um, shout-outs to Simple Flips. Who does? He used to be like a Super Mario sixty four speedrunner, but now he does like a lot of Mario Maker two content. Which, but he's just quite an entertaining person to watch as well. Cool. So that's more of the gaming side of stuff. Yeah. What about video games? What What have you played this year? Uh, so probably my top game of the year, if we were doing the awards, would probably go to Fall Guys Total Knockout, just because of this. In a, in a year where I've even like with all this like staying at home and stuff I've it's still difficult sometimes to find the time to sit down and play a game yeah. especially a long narrative game the fact is that Fall Guys is just like a game show and you can play as much or as little as you want in a session but it's just so it's so it's so infuriating at times because like your bean can your little bean thing that you've got can just randomly trip over or be shoved over mm. and like everyone like griefs each other <laughs> But the thing is, because there's no voice chat, it's not toxic. It's really weird. Yeah. Um. But it is like it's a it's a it's a game show. There's sixty of you playing to start with, then like forty will qualify, then like thirty, then twenty, and it will go down to like one left. Right. And it's different rounds. Like you got some that are like races over obstacles. Other ones you have to get a certain number of points by jumping through rings. There's ones we have to like catch somebody that's got like a tail on them. Hmm. So there's like decent variety. They've just launched their third season, which I've not had a chance to play yet. But I've enjoyed. That's probably the game like I've enjoyed most this year. That's come out this year. Cool. Uh, aside from that, um, I'm playing through Paper Mario on the Switch at the moment, and it's all right. I'm enjoying it. Like what it kind of lacks in the traditional RPG mechanics that old Paper Mario games used to have, it kind of makes up for in heart. Yeah. Like there's some very tight writing on it and a lot of like fun concepts like the most recent boss is like you fight them in like a theater <laughs> and they're like all the audience like tied to their chairs which is a bit creepy <laughs> because it but then it's like a paper aesthetics so it's not that creepy right yeah and like they like make a grand entrance because they're like they're they're like and i'm the star of the show and things <laughs> like that and it's just got a lot of like cheese in it like a lot of well, it's very hammy. It's ham and cheese. Um, ham and cheese. <laughs> it is just, yeah, it's got a lot of tight writing as well. Like, you have to save a lot of toads in it. Yeah. And some of them just have, like, tongue-in-cheek references to other games or just, like, just generally quite funny dialogue. Like, the localization team were clearly given, like, free reign. Mm. Like, one of the... You go down to the dock in the main town and the, the sign there just says, the docks, and then underneath in brackets it says you're on it <laughs> yeah I like those kind of details uh, so what have been kind of like your top games of the year um, well I mean Battlefront 2 went to free to play which um, I think got a few more people on board for um, I'd definitely check it out if you can if, if you've got it on PS Plus or whatever because um, there's still a great story mode on there and if you liked aspects of the finale of The Mandalorian then I think you'll probably like the Battlefront 2 story mode um, Rocket League was free to play I think this year did it go to free to play it, that, so Battlefront 2 I think went was free for a month on Playstation Plus right uh, so I don't think it's free anymore okay um, unless you picked up during that 
whereas Rocket League is now fully free to play on every system. Ah, okay, great. Yeah, Ro- Rocket League is a really great fun. It's kept me um, really entertained for a lot of a lot of this pretty miserable year. You can just hop on, and I think what's fun about it is that you can hop on and actually play ten minutes of it, like do it in a lunch break or, or just about before you're about to go somewhere you can just hop on and do a game and, and let be done in less than 10 minutes and, and and it's really entertaining for that kind of quick quick blasting kind of thing same and to a certain extent with Star Wars Squadrons which I picked up um, around Black Friday um, mm-hmm. the newest Star Wars game uh, I think it's yeah it's not it's not my like first thing I'd jump straight on but it is it's pretty cool uh, immersive immersive game um and I haven't played through the entirety of the story mode yet, but yeah, the the dog fights and 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 that kind of thing is really fun. And it's it's not the most expensive game in the world, so if you like Star Wars, maybe just pick it up. Yeah. No, I think it's it's interesting how the common theme between our top games has been you can just pick up, play a few rounds, and put back down. Yeah. Because in a in an environment where you've got things like Cyberpunk pre-release being like. This developer has played 175 hours and hasn't even touched the sides. <laughs> it's like some people love that kind of thing, mm. and that's that's great that that then that audience is being catered to. And like, I would like to play a few more games that are a bit longer. Like, you know, that's part of what we might end up doing with like the Twitch channel mm. that we've got. Is it gives it like a forum just to play through some longer games. Mm. Um, but also like. I don't have that time right now. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate a game that can just I can just pick up, play, put down again. Like I don't understand. Like as much as Paper Mario's been fun, I don't get why they're still sticking with the traditional save boxes hmm. that are like spaced out. Bear in mind they're quite frequent, so I can't gripe about them too much. Yeah. But one of the things, if you remember the very original, like, and still in Pokemon, you save anywhere and you just literally you're just in the same exact spot yeah. and you just continue yeah and more games i think need to well it, it's exit points if you want to use the proper terminology but more games need to like be designed around having proper exit points yeah or maybe frequent exit points because i'm outside of doing streams i'm not the kind of person who'll play for like five six hours at a time no me neither um and yeah, I think what's what's great about the games we mentioned as well is that they are they're quite light relief, which I think is is good for this kind of year. I told you I tried and attempted to make a bit of uh, way through uh, Red Dead Redemption Two, but like I just I just can't deal with all that. Oh, you've got to feed your horse enough beans, and then you've got to eat enough beans, and then also you've got to have enough bullets in your gun, and also yeah, it's just like oh, that's too much for me. I just want to I just want to blast. I just want to blast and and drive and. <laughs> You just want to run and gun. Brief moments of escapism is is what I'm saying, rather than getting weighed down with giving your horse beans. <laughs> but I think I think the great thing about gaming is that it can cater to everyone. That's really. it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But yeah, like more. I don't. Yeah. I. I'd have. I do do it with games, but I just haven't done it with any games this year in terms of like the long playthrough. Um. Last game I probably did it with Breath of the Wild, which I did like eighty hours, and I've I've still not done the final boss because it's a game which I enjoy so much. I don't want to finish the final boss. Yeah. I want to keep doing side quests. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but I I think it it's quite quite fitting that our top games have been like just light relief this year. Yeah. Because that's what we've needed. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's going to bring us to the end for this run of the Cynical Optimists. Uh, I know we usually do one extra show in this half of the year, but we're going to move that to the next half and just call it for Christmas a bit early this year. <laughs> but that does not mean that there is not more content that is coming if you follow the Hollow Projectors, which produces the Cynical Optimists. So first off, you can subscribe to the Hollow Projectors on YouTube where discussions and clips from these podcasts get turned into videos and we've also got other video content coming. Uh, some stuff that's already released is uh, Nick's video on Justice League that he had to make because he lost our bet. <laughs> by three uh, months, first by the way. By three months, that's still so funny. <laughs> um, it'll never not be funny. Um, <laughs> Nick's first impressions of Super Mario 64. We've got... Um, Beggar's Canon, our Star Wars show coming in 2021, so there'll be more stuff on that, so subscribe to that channel. You can subscribe to the Hollow Projectors Arcade on YouTube, where all of our Let's Play content has been moved over to there, mm -hmm. so in terms of old content from the last few years, you've got uh, a failed attempt at Let's Playing a Doctor Who game, which <laughs> is just one really neatly edited video now. You've got uh, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Republic Heroes. From an age uh, where we didn't know who Ahsoka was and Ahsoka was we fuck and up the pronunciation. Name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got Aliens, Colonial Marines, um, Lego Harry Potter, Years 1 and 2, because then we just kind of stopped. <laughs> uh, and now we've got A Way Out, which is coming out every week at the moment, and we'll continue to do so for the foreseeable. Which is a shame, because uh, well, it's actually a very good game, unlike our previous entries. <laughs> it is a very good game, and it's it's turning into a very good series, so the first few parts are out now for you to go and watch, and that will keep on coming out into the new year. You can also follow us on Twitch, at Hollow Projectors. Uh, some of the stuff we streamed in the past includes Rocket League, uh, Zelda, Ocarina of Time Randomizer, Banjo-Kazooie, some of the stuff we've got planned is Knights of the Old Republic, Mario 64, and the rest of Banjo-Kazooie. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, at the Hollow Projectors, at, no, just at Hollow Projectors, mm -hmm. one word. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Hollow Projectors, which I'd recommend for kind of updates as to when new stuff is coming out. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll probably put like, oh, this video's been delayed, this video will be out next week, kind of things on there. Uh, if you don't already, follow the sh follow the Cynical Optimists on whatever podcast system, uh, you know, podcast provider you use. If it has a review system, give us a good review because it helps other people find the show. Mm -hmm. My God, there's a lot of stuff, isn't there? <laughs> um, you can follow me at Hollow Phil. And you can follow me at Beggars Cannon on Twitter. Um, yeah, damn. Is there, is there much else to say besides, you know, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you in the new year. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you in the new year. <laughs> I'll take that to mean that I've covered everything. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but thank you very much for listening if you've listened to one or all or some of this run of the show. Uh, hopefully next time we're recording we might even be able to do it in person mm. but we said that last time so let's see <laughs> take care of um, yourselves at home yes watch positive take care of yourself things. and others watch Muppets Christmas Carol on repeat as soon as it's ended just <laughs> straight back on <laughs> just through the whole into January I, I don't I don't care if people say it's bad luck <laughs>
and we will um, catch you down the road I've been Phil and I've been Nick thank you very much for listening today you've made it to the end of 2020 woo (laughs) bye bye